0: Sunday is the last of four weeks of reflection on the nature of God. So the first Sunday we reflected on kind of the terrifying nature of God and that fear of the Lord is actually an important and a good thing in our Christian life. The second Sunday we w- reflected on the condescending nature of God. How in the gardener who tends to the tree, the fig tree, God condescends, he comes down to be with us in our lives. Last Sunday with Deacon Stand, it was kind of the foolishness of God in the way that the father in the story of the prodigal son deals with his two sons, foolishly giving them whatever they ask for in his mercy and in his love. This Sunday, God is clever. And we see God's cleverness through Jesus in the Gospel today. Today, they're trying to trick and to trap Jesus. They're trying to find something that they can condemn him for, that they they can put him to death for, because they want to get rid of him. They're tired of dealing with him. And so they catch this woman in the very act of committing adultery, and they bring this woman to Jesus. Now, already the circumstances of this should kind of prick our ears, because one, they caught them, this group of people caught her in the very act of committing adultery, and the man that she was with, is nowhere to be found. This was a setup. They caught her in the act of doing it. They knew that it was going to happen. And then they didn't bring the man who was equally as guilty as her, because what they're trying to do is trap Jesus. Now, the one thing that we don't hear in the Gospel that's important at the same time, they mention the law of Moses that commands that someone who commits adultery should be stoned to death. But the other half of the problem is that under Roman occupation, the Jews were not allowed to put anyone to death. And we see that later. When they want to put Jesus to death, Herod can't make that decision. They have to bring Jesus to Pilate. Pilate is the only one who can choose to put Jesus to death. And so they really trap Jesus in asking them his question before the woman caught in adultery. It's like the catch-22, because if he says you should stone her, then he's breaking Roman law. But if he says don't stone her, then he's breaking his own Jewish law. There's no right answer to give. And so Jesus doesn't give in to what they're trying to do, and he starts by just kneeling down and writing on the ground. But they don't give up. They keep questioning him. They keep coming back, trying to get something out of him trying to trap him with his words. And then Jesus gives those words that we've heard a hundred times before. But the first among you who is without sin cast the first stone. And then one by one, they all turn away. This is the cleverness of God, that he turns it back on them. He makes them look at themselves because the reality is in the way that god has made us we know what is right and what is wrong when i do confessions and preparation for confessions with young people I often tell them do you know that the only reason we could admit that we've done something wrong is because we know what the right thing to do is and isn't it funny that even though we know what the right thing to do is so often we choose to do the wrong thing it doesn't make any logical sense but it's what we do we know what the right thing is because that's how we can admit to god i have sinned if we didn't know what the right thing to do was if all that was right was what we believed was right then we would never do anything wrong because i just do what i want to do but we know even these scribes and pharisees know and so jesus turns it back on them So they can look at their own conscience, they can look at their own heart, and they can see the truth again. Another famous example from the Old Testament of this cleverness of God is shown through King Solomon, the wise King Solomon. And this story of these two women that are claiming that this one child belongs to them and they each want possession of that child, but obviously only one of them is the actual mother. And so they come before King Solomon, asking him to make the decision on who is the actual mother. So a lot of questions are asked, investigations, and still can't determine who the real mother is, and then the cleverness of God, through Solomon's wisdom. Solomon says, well, then, if both of you think you are the mother, then let's just divide the child in two, and you each can have your own half. And immediately, the real mother of the child says, then let her have him. And then Solomon knows exactly who the mother is. God allows things to get turned back on us so that we can see the truth that we already know, but that we struggle to see because of our sin because of the complexity of living in this life. But if we take that time to pause, to reflect, to pray, we will see what is good and true and beautiful. God's put it there. He wants us to know it. He's not trying to hide it from us. Then the cleverness of God continues in the Gospel. The elders go first and then all the scribes and Pharisees leave and Jesus turns to the woman and says, Who's left? Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody was trying to convict me of something and everybody left, and now I was just left alone, I'd run. I'd get out of there. But the woman doesn't move. She stays there in front of Jesus, the only one worthy to condemn her because she is paralyzed by her shame she knows what she did wrong she is fully aware of the sin that she committed and how does jesus respond to her he has every right to chastise her for her decision her choice and he says has no one condemned you then neither do i condemn you go and sin no more jesus sees in this woman and the weight of shame in her life judging her in that moment is not going to bring her healing it's not going to bring her to God think even in your own life how often has someone reprimanding you for something that you've done wrong actually brought about real change in your life sometimes it changes us but usually it's mostly out of fear For those of you that are parents, when you chastise your child, maybe it corrects them, but if it's out of anger, then they're just going to correct them out of fear and it doesn't create any lasting change. Think about those things, those moments in your life where the biggest amount of change has taken place. It's come because you know that you're loved by this person, someone who's willing to walk with you through the difficulty of making that change in your life. We change when we know that we're loved, not when somebody reprimands us and condemns us and corrects us for what we've done wrong. This is what Jesus does for the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't condemn her for what she's done wrong, but reminds her of what she can do good. Jesus looks at her, gives her back her dignity, that she feels like she's completely lost in this public shaming that she's just experienced. Again, God's cleverness, turning it back to the heart to remind us of where we are going. God is clever in the way that he brings truth to us. Because if you were to slap us in the face with the truth, we'd probably walk away. Because we wouldn't want to receive it. God brings it in a clever way, in a way that we can accept, in a way that we can receive it, so that we can know the truth of who He is. The woman caught in adultery met the truth of who Jesus was. The scribes and the Pharisees left because they knew the truth of their own heart and they turned away. But the woman caught in adultery encountered Jesus, met the truth of who God was.